Hey, it's me, your unreliable narrator, hanging out with you in not at all sunny South Florida on a friend's patio. I have a few stories to tell you from here, and then when I get back to my home, I'll record a new intro and let you know what's going on there. Because I'm not in a studio, you're going to hear the ambient sounds of rainstorms, screaming cats, maybe even some lightning and thunder, perhaps a few Airbnb guests that wander through. That's all part of keeping it real. I'm here to tell you a few stories. They may or may not be true. That's up for you to decide. Let's get started. Oh geez, I almost forgot to say hello to Libby. Hi Libby. This is your shout out on the podcast for being such a great patron. Thanks for listening. In the cab. It was an unseasonably warm Saturday afternoon in early September. I remember thinking the heat had gone late that year, though it was nearly twice as hot in the back of that cab. As I opened the door, the rancid sweet smell of long warm soda pop, vomit, and other immediately unrecognizable fluids wafted up from the floorboards and I instantly wished I had ridden the bus. The coffee-stained plexiglass divider was closed, but I could still hear the radio and the dispatcher clearly. It reminded me vaguely of a sneeze guard on a cold salad bar until the driver reached back without looking, slid the partition open with a sharp snap, and hollered a cold, where to? I took a deep breath of the hot, sour air, hesitating for a second in case I puked. St. Anthony North Emergency Room, please. He glanced over his skinny right shoulder at me as I struggled to find a clean spot on the seat and a part of the floor that my high heels would neither dig in or stick to. He leered at me for a second, hoping my shirt would shift slightly to one side and he'd get a better look at was barely hidden below that loose cloth. I glanced up, looked him right in the eyes, and pulled my shirt closed. Wasn't that divider supposed to be there for privacy? Maybe it was there for security. I'm not sure for mine or his. I glanced enviously at my friend in the doorway of the bar where I had just been setting up his imposing drum kit for a concert later that night. I was always involved more than was necessary and I showed up for load-in already wearing what I would have worn that night for my jobs as the band's public relations liaison. A small black miniskirt that could have been a belt, a loose-fitting brown and black tie-dyed halter top that butch fabric barely covered my breasts if I leaned too far one way or the other. The silver toes of my hot pink leopard print stiletto heels shimmered in the fading afternoon light. They were so comfortable and worn in after years of being lived in, much like a favorite t-shirt and jeans. Oh, what I would have given to be in a t-shirt and jeans at that minute. I had been unloading amplifiers as a favor to the bass player when the first shock of pain rippled through my torso, instantly calling into question my ability to balance on my heels. I struggled to set the amplifier down as I recovered from the ghostly gut kick. In my haste, I almost smacked my face on the tall bass cabinet looming over my head. The pain from the past few weeks had become so normalized I was surprised to feel anything at all. I thought maybe I was just dehydrated because I'd already eaten twice that day and taken my meds. I inhaled deeply, stood, and headed for the bar for a glass of water. Maybe this was just a side effect of the magnesium sulfate they had given to stop the contractions. It seemed so odd then, stopping contractions, when there was no reason left for me to be contracting. Before I could get to the bar, breathing slowly with every step, 
a second jolt of pain smashed into my midsection and it sent me reeling backwards out of my beloved stilettos and into a nearby chair, barely missing the opportunity to hit the floor. Hot tears of frustration steamed down my cheeks as I tried to focus on my breathing to remember the conversation I had with the emergency room physician barely two days before. Is it fixed? I asked. It's fixed. We just have to wait for your body to stop trying to expel the fetus, the doctor had said. I've missed a lot of work. Is it safe to go back? I said as I searched his eyes to determine if he was telling the truth. You can go back to work. You should go back to work, he said smiling. I had made it clear that working for me was heavy lifting, so why was this happening again? I struggled to my feet and searched the dimly lit room for my friend, the drummer, the guy I was in charge of that day. The cold, acid-washed concrete meant to defy me by practically begging me to have a sit or a nap just for a minute. It didn't take long to find my friend backlit by the front door. Do you have your cell? It's happening again. I need to get to the hospital, I said, limping toward him, half out of breath and holding my stomach. Blood started to rush to his face as he frantically searched for his cell phone. We were two of the few people who I know who had been early adopters to this new technology. Both of our jobs were more productive if one of us could talk to the others from the comfort of our vehicles. At least that's what we told ourselves. When we finally found his phone in his hip pocket, he fumbled so frantically it fell to the concrete floor. We both stood there a second, marveling at how sturdy and unbroken the phone was before he picked it up and shakily dialed all series, making sure I didn't want an ambulance instead. I rolled down the window as the cab left the curb with a jolt into the busy Saturday afternoon traffic. The high-pitched squeal of the window made my skin feel like it was crawling off my body, as did the brakes of the car next to us and someone's power steering pump as it went out. I couldn't get away fast enough, no matter how quickly the wind whipped through my non-sweaty, uncombed hair. Carelessly, he whipped through traffic. Stop, go, stop, go block, stop, 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 race a motorcycle. The cab driver's frantic driving at the hospital wasn't making this any easier. I was sure I was going to die before I got there. He kept asking me questions, but I'm not sure what they were. I could only hear his intonation and inflection. Eventually, I leaned forward and opened the partition and said, What were you asking? Why do you need to get to the hospital? Are you having a baby? He said frantically. Not anymore. They can't stop the fleeting. I almost whis whispered. If you didn't dress like that, you might not have this problem, he said. I slammed the partition closed inside. I put my head against the auxiliary corner window. I could see the emergency room appear in my view. Hey, thanks for sticking around and listening to the end credits. All of my stories are written by me and may or may not be true. My music is from filmmusic.io, inspired by Kevin McLeod, licensed Creative Commons 4.0. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, conundrums, or story requests, feel free to email me at narrator at unreliable.com. That's narrator at U-N-R-E-L-I-A-B-L dot com. There's no E at the end. Hey, I'll catch up with you next week with a new story. <laughs>